friends. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Carl Sterling. Today I have a guest I'll be speaking with, somebody uh, we go back a few years now. And this, uh, my friend and my mentor, Dr. Steve Capobianco, is a gentleman who I always look forward to talking with because every time we talk, Steve, it's like this. You make me think. I love it. Somebody, uh, as Perry Nicholson would say, knowledge bombs and brain candy. And um, the other day we were texting and you told me about a project you're working on, a, a thing that you're working on that I'd love to talk about and share with our viewers. So welcome, Dr. Steve Capobianco. Great to have you here. Good to see you again, too. Thanks, bud. I appreciate it. Um, we were talking about this offline and it's uh, I had already forgotten, you know, when we did this last, but it had been a, a bunch of years ago at Project Move at my facility in Denver. So it's just uh, I always love talking to you as well. So once you asked, I immediately uh, knee jerk reaction said yes. So I'm looking forward to it just as much. That was as like yesterday are. morning. So <laughs> that was right. that's a great point. There's <laughs> something I, I need to interject this here. Um, this is about you, but I am going to mention one thing. This book that I'm writing, that, um, there's a reason I'm mentioning it, and it, it starts with you, and I'll tell you why. We were sitting in Project Move in the little area next to the sink and that stuff, the refrigerator. We were sitting next to the refrigerator. You said, Carl, you should just write a book. So you planted the seed, and I want to say thank you for that. And the book's almost done. And you wrote this, uh, you, and Dr. Is it Agox? Stephen Agox yep. wrote a beautiful mm -hmm. chapter, which um, is part of the book. So I want to thank you for that because um, you were the seed that got that started, even though it took me three years to get my act together and finish it. <laughs> it's just about ready. But I, that's, that's very, I didn't know that, Carl. That's very interesting. I'm glad to be part of it. I mean, other people said it too, but I didn't take you seriously at first. No, but then I thought, you know, I, I think I could do this. And now I'm really happy. So I appreciate that. So, awesome. um, and you're in Austin, Texas now, correct? And you're working on, uh, tell us what you're working on here, because this is fascinating. And I think that what you're about to talk, talk to us about is something that gets left out of the equation a lot of times when it comes to doing exercises, getting motivated, getting worked out. Um, getting working out, doing our the stuff we have to do. What you got going on? Yeah, um, it, it, the it's it's just the evolution of what we've created. And so, um, for those that don't know, I've been part of Rock Tape since the beginning. Uh, Rock Tape is probably best known for a kinesiology tape company, a product company, but um, a lot of people don't know that we also have, and then there's Carl representing. Um, I typically have rock tape on, that's <laughs> pretty much my attire, but today I decided to kind of veer away from that. Um, but in respect to the company, one of the things that I'm most proud of is our education. And, and the platform is called FMT, which stands for Functional Movement Training. And under that, umbrella we have multiple courses that we teach and we teach a live platform we just launched a live webcast platform for the reason that many of us are stuck in our homes and we still want to feed our brains uh, with information so we created a live platform in the last two weeks 
that we um, have launched. But within that platform, we have multiple different uh, categories of education. Um, most of it's based around the therapists, so physical therapists, chiropractors, acu uh, occupational therapists, athletic trainers, massage therapists, uh, on how to apply tape, how to use instrument-assisted techniques, uh, how to do myofascial cupping, compressional floss band. But over the last year, I've developed the next evolution of our education, which is really focusing on the movement therapy component of what we do and how movement really is the answer of which is a message that we've been sharing for quite some time. Um, this new platform is called Move, the Movement Specialist. And uh, under that platform, uh, what we're attempting to do is explain that the idea of prescribing movement or prescribing a corrective exercises to someone is much more complex than what we've been told. And to be able to, to make a successful change with someone, you have to influence the person first. And so something that uh, I think would be helpful here is that I'm going to share my screen. Are you good with that, Carl? Totally. Yeah, please do. Yeah. So let me just share this so I can have a picture show behind and you can let me know if uh -huh. you're seeing what I'm seeing. Oh yeah, this is good. So I'm going to slide this over so I can actually see what I'm doing. So the platform, uh, as I said, is called the FMT Movement Specialist. And within that platform, uh, we created a 12-hour course and we focus on how do we influence conscious movement patterns? Those are the movement patterns that we actually think about. Uh, the example that we use within this course is using the movement of the deep squat. And on day two, we have another six hours where we talk about subconscious movement patterns where we're focusing on activities like breathing and gait. Things that we don't necessarily think about when we're accomplishing them. We can intervene with them consciously, but Generally, they're subconscious. And so within that course, we teach therapists and movement um, professionals uh, a, a different perspective of how to apply uh, corrective strategies to help someone move more effectively and efficiently. But here's where I think um, the, the conversation changes. Um, first, we believe that education builds bridges. And the reason I say this is that uh, I'm a chiropractor by trade. I've been a movement professional the majority of my career since I was 18 or 17. I've been a personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach. And, and I, what I wanted to do is create a platform of education and knowledge that allowed us to build bridges. And, and why is that important is that the end user, the, the person that really needs help, is really at, at odds to decide, who do I need to see? Uh, who's the best person for me to uh, connect with to be able to make some appreciable change? And most people think that I need to insert something along this movement pyramid that we've created. You know, I need someone that can screen my movement or assess my movement. I need, I need more mobility, I need more motor control, I need more stability to help myself move more effectively. And that may all be true. But I think what is missing here is the individual. 
and uh, I'm not sure if you know the reference here, don't you forget about me, but uh, it's uh, a great reference from the Breakfast, Breakfast Club. So I just was so proud of myself to put that reference in there because it's one of my favorite movies. And it's, and it's so applicable. To interrupt you for one second. Um, right sure. now what I'm seeing is the first intro slide. Is that where we're at? Oh, it's not, trans, it's not transmitting. That's too bad. Oh, there we go. Uh, let's see if I can well, figure that right out. Now. There we go. That's good. Let me. Well, let me, let me just uh, take out some of the other information here. I don't think it's playing, and that's the, the problem. Okay. So the this idea of the of the movement pyramid, as I was saying, um, there's a screening you know uh, component. There's an assessment component. Some believe that we need more mobility, motor control, or stability to move more effectively. But what I think is missing here is the individual, yeah. and it, if we follow what Lorimer Mosley says, and Lorimer is, uh, is one of the leading researchers when it comes to uh, chronic pain, but he's really influenced my viewpoint on, on intervening with the individual and recognizing that the people that we work with are fearfully and wonderfully complex. And if, if we're going to only intervene with them uh, as a, you know, with our fitness lens or our medical lens, we're really missing this middle point. I mean, can you see that, Carl? Yep, sure do. Yeah, that, that middle point is really identifying behaviorally, how, how can we influence the individual? How can I motivate myself to move more? Uh, if the fitness pro and the medical pro really don't understand this, then we're going to be uh, less effective in accomplishing what we what we were trying to do. So um, so what I feel is necessary here is that we amalgamate, we fill the gap of the fitness pro, the medical pro, and the behavioral pro to create this kind of multifaceted you know uh, expert in yeah. movement. And what, this is what we call the movement specialist. Right. So what what I feel that needs to be uh, filled or what needs to be complemented into what we currently do is taking this idea of psychosocial aspects of human movement. How do we help someone move more effectively? How do we understand that we're just not working with a piece of meat, we're working with an individual attached to that piece of meat, right? So it's not just the muscles that we're working on when we're helping someone move more effectively, we're helping the human being move more effectively. And we have to take into account uh, all these uh, added considerations, the, the person's previous experiences, their history, their emotional status, their goals, yeah, everyone has different goals, their expectations of what that movement is and what it means to them, uh, their personality matters, um, the, the different learning styles that someone has, and so much more. Absolutely. So, this is, I'm just so the, right now, this is so important, and I'm really glad. You put you put this together because it's funny because this is a part that I um in my own way do is is in, in my part of the workshop talks a little bit about it, but you know, motivation and personality types and uh you know, with the Parkinson's work we do, yeah. we see depression a lot of times and anxiety. So getting moving can be tough. Yes. And we can't one of the sayings I have, not to get off track here, is people with Parkinson's are people too. They have a limbic system. They have tight calves half the time. They have, maybe they had cancer, but we're dealing with people first. 
I love how you yeah. put this together, man. This is beautiful, beautiful. But but I, I think in just going to that point you just brought up is that you apply this inherently or intuitively. You can see the person kind of as they walk uh, towards you, walk in your building, and you can see that their head is down, their energy is low, they're defensive in their posture of how they're carrying themselves. And all of this is being entered into your nervous system as the movement specialist in this in this. Um, situation to say how am i going to motivate this person today and that's really what i'm getting at is that i i don't think enough of us in this in this community are trained well enough to be able to identify these indicators and so what i what i want to express to you right now is that the psychological influences of movement and the personality influences really matter and so let's start off with the psychological which i call the threat screen there are ways of identifying someone's fear of movement. And I think this is really pertinent from my experience of your education that I've been lucky enough to be part of, um, that I know that fear of movement is a huge uh, influencer in uh, how someone accomplishes a specific task. And if they have threat associated or kinesiophobia where they're which can be defined as excessive, irrational, or debilitating fear to carry out a physical movement. If someone is fearful of a movement you're asking them to do, they're not gonna accomplish that movement. And you might interpret that as they're unable to do that movement, they're lacking in mobility, they're lacking in stability, and we wanna add those layers into the equation, not really considering that the person's previous experience with that movement might've been associated with some type of fall that their their fear of the movement their fear of, of failure of that movement because prior to their diagnosis prior to them uh dealing with what they're dealing with now they were high achievers meaning that they were always able to accomplish everything that they were told to do and now all of a sudden they can't so the fear of failure might be the limitation not necessarily the movement itself Absolutely. right so uh, i think I think those are all really important things for us to consider if we're going to move forward. And so uh, Joanne Elfingston, if you don't know this name and you're in this in this category of movement specialists, movement professionals, you should really look her up. And this quote to me was profound. And I, I'm going to I'm going to list it out because there are certain components of this quote that really matter in, in respect to this conversation. The effect of the emotional response and the psychological state are increasingly being identified as key influences in the outcome of nonspecific low back pain. That is well, really true. So you have back pain, your emotional status and your psychological state have an influence on your experience. And what she, what she continues to say is that what this really requires us as clinicians and trainers is to acquire a better or greater understanding of how these factors influence movement and postural responses, as well as learning effective coaching strategies and empowering their patient and client. So the better you understand how to identify someone's emotional status and their psychological state can really make you better at as, as a movement professional. Um, so, how do we do this is probably the next question and there are some psychosocial screens that exist and these are open source so this is not my screens these are some these are validated screens that you can 
give to your clients, your patients, and the two that I'm listing here are the FABQ, the Fear Avoidance Belief Questionnaire, and the Tampa Scale for Kinesiophobia. These are, are really uh, common questionnaires that you can, you can download online. You can just look up the Tampa Scale or the Fear Avoidance Behavior Questionnaire. You can get these files and you can have your clients fill them out. And the cool thing about these is since they've been validated, they really give you an idea of the level of fear associated with movement with the person you're working with. And, and even though that these are, are very common, they're seldom used. I've been teaching this under the FMT platform for well over 10 years now. And I asked the question, how many people in my live courses actually use a fear avoidance behavior scale? And I probably get 1% of the population. And wow. that is a problem, meaning that we're not using these scales to identify the person that we're working with. And I think that's a missing link to what we can do. So I'm strongly recommending your listeners, your followers to start to consider some type of validated or an unvalidated measurement of someone's fear of movement. So what I have here in the slide here is a, is a screen that I created and I call it the traffic light system. And all I did is I created my own questions and it's just a, a way of broaching the conversation of how fearful are you of a specific movement? And so the questions could be, do you think your pain problem or body will allow you to perform the movement or the shape that I'm asking you to? And they can say yes or no. Uh, I can add a little bit more detail to this. I can say, do you think your pain problem or body will limit you from performing the movement or shape? Yes or no. And at what level? Is, is it highly limited? That would be a 10 or is minimally limited a one? And we can, we can accrue these, the scale that the person would answer and rate. And this will allow us to kind of identify them as a red light client, a yellow or amber light client, or a green light. And the reason this is important is that if someone is rated really high, they are greater than 28 on this scale system, then I, as the movement's professional, I'm going to start to talk, you know, to use more verbal instructions a little bit further. So I would discuss kinesiophobia behaviors. I'm going to consider maybe more treatment and rescreening to be able to ensure that the person is comfortable in the movement I'm asking them to do. I'm going to be very slow and gradual in my exposure of the exercise. Uh, I'm going to regress the movement to something that is successful and safe for them. Uh, I'm going to only use one or maybe two or three exercises in total because I want them to, to show success. I want them to experience success so then we can decrease the kinesiophobia behaviors. Uh, I'm going to definitely closely monitor them. So I'm going to be the safety net for them. Whenever they're accomplishing the movement, I'm right there. You're not going to fall. I'm going to put you in a safe environment. I've seen you do this within your um, your model. And I think you're dealing with a lot of people that would be identified as a red or amber light. If you did these screens, the Tampa scale or the unvalidated threat screen. Yeah, no, no doubt. So, um, so that's something that's, yeah. I, I, I really like this. Go ahead. You've broken it down. Um, 
you remember, uh, may remember a couple of years ago, you and I had a call with a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Alfonso Fasano in Toronto. Um, yeah. Alfonso. My phone thinks I'm talking to my, I'm not talking to you phone. Um, <laughs> he came up with a thing that's interesting and uh, we use it, I got permission to use it in uh, the book and education. There's uh, like a, a, the fear, let's see, what do they call it? It's funny, I can't remember the name, but it's a spectrum. You've got, let's say on the left side, you have um, sedentary lifestyle fear of falling, fall phobia. Right side mm -hmm. is what was referred to by Alfonso as a reckless gait. And, you know, you want to be in, in the middle. You want to be aware enough that you don't move too uh, radically or, or recklessly, which I've had a couple people do. They just, they pop right out and up and, and they get hydrostatic, uh, orthostatic hypotension and they, or whatever. They mm -hmm. fall down because of postural instability, and they're not aware of their risk of falling. So the uh, ABC one is an interesting one. But this Fab Q that that's new to me. I'm almost embarrassed to say I didn't know about it. Tampa, I do know about, but being able to assess yeah. awareness of uh, likelihood of falling, so that they're not reckless, but they're also not sedentary, and we we need to get people moving. So. Uh, this system you have here is a beautiful way to uh, actually more, I would say, looks more thorough in its yeah. uh, extracting information from people as to where they fall in the, you know, uh, uh, their ability to move or their belief. Yeah, I and I, I, their belief in their that, that's the great, it's a great point, Carl, is the thing that I wanted to add here is that quite often, and I, I don't work with the category that you do as often, but, but take, take a, a soldier that's coming back from combat and they're experiencing pain, they're, they're not necessarily moving their body. And I start to inquire without using these screens, I start asking, you know, uh, I ask the question as an example, are you scared of that movement? Are you fearful of this movement? What do you think a soldier is gonna answer to that? If I say, are you scared? Are they going to say yes, they are, or no, they are not? Well, they're probably going to what say you no. Think? No, that's right, because they've been trained. They've been trained not to be scared of anything, even though internally they are fearful of that movement because a previous experience um, uh, was associated with something that was uh, scary or that increased their threat. And now the threat of that movement is the limitation, not the movement itself, but to start this conversation and asking them, are they scared, could be better uh, accomplished by having a non-threatening questionnaire that allows them to answer these questions without me broaching the, the, um, the conversation. So what I think it does, even if you don't use the scales, these screens, these questionnaires as they are, were originally intended to, it allows you to start to open up the conversation of how fear might be the limitation, not necessarily the movement itself. And I think that's what's most important about this. This is why I kind of offered to our following, at least, there's a validated screen and you can make up your own screen with your own questions to be able to identify where do they fall within a spectrum. This is going to what you talked about in respect to that scale of reckless you know a reckless mover versus a fearful mover 
I think you can identify the person and then apply the, the appropriate uh, language and cueing and exercises and environment that allows that person to feel safe. And that starts to build on success. It really does. Plus, you so know, that was my first. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You just have me, of no, course. No, I'm going right back at you. My head is spinning because, you know, one of the things that, uh, and I mean this respectfully, but within the industry, I, I see a fair amount of people. Well, here's what I see. The trainers who have repeat business. Um, I mean, I, I tell a lot of people, you shouldn't need me forever, really. I mean, if you want to come back, I don't say it like this, but I'm here for you. I consider this should be an education. And then you should be able to do quite a bit on your own. However, uh, when they come back and when I see trainers who have repeat business, repeat people, it's usually because they've established a relationship with the person and the person, the client or patient right. knows that that trainer or movement specialist cares about them. They care about their well-being. And this type of information is a part of the caring process. And it's, I think it's really yeah, important. I, I, I know that and the client or patient is going to appreciate this because you're really stepping, stepping up the game here. Yeah, and I think this is what differentiates the, the good from the great. Um, the outliers are the ones that really spend more time kind of creating the relationship, as you said, with the individual before they start to apply the exercise prescription. Because as I said to you offline is that, you know, we we're inundated with exercises. We have plenty of, of exercises within our, our own library and the library that we can access on the internet on different platforms. There's lots of cool exercises that we can apply. The key is to kind of identify which exercises of, that apply best to the individual, the person that you're working with. How do I motivate that person? How do I decrease the threat uh, that that person might be experiencing? So that's that's the part that I really wanted to highlight here, in respect to the psychosocial component of movement. You know, identifying the person's threat, and then the second component here is what you're seeing is the personality screening. And I think personality screening is something that a lot of people are more familiar with, uh, because a lot of us have done our own personality screens. The best example I can give is the Meyer Briggs. A lot of people have gone through the Meyer Briggs personality screen. They, I, they know, well, I shouldn't say they all know, because if someone asked me, what is my Meyer Briggs um, acronym? Like, am I a T and N, a J? I don't even know anymore. I did the screen. I found it to be really, really interesting, but I don't recall what my personality is according to that system. The, the system that we've adopted within this education platform, the Movement Specialist course, is one that's been um, uh, uh, created by a woman named Suzanne Brew. And Suzanne, interesting enough, was part of the Meyer Briggs system for many years, and she kind of broke off and created her own system called the Eight Colors of Fitness, which really applies to the category of, of movement specialists that we're talking to in, within this podcast, is uh, how do we use someone's personality to be able to best position them for success? And so what she did is she identified eight different personalities 
that are associated with a specific color. And so the colors are broken up this way. Um, the, they're kind of broken up into four categories, the golds and purples, and I'll explain this more as we go through this, uh, this idea. The golds and purples are more job oriented. They like to be given a job saying, this is the exercise and this is what you're trying to accomplish. That's the type of exercise prescription I would give to a gold and a purple. The whites and saffrons that are identified as those personality types like more abstract type of corrective exercises or, or environments. The silvers and reds are those that like to chase uh, um, a specific goal. Um, they're the, the ones that like the music to be louder. They like the shiny red ball to, to chase. Um, they're the ones that like to play. They like to um, experience the, the corrective strategies, the exercises in a, in a more playful manner. And then the greens and blues are more the concrete thinkers. They're the ones that, you know, like data. They like to know that I did this exercise for this number of reps this week and next week I did an extra two reps. They like that type of motivation. Mm -hmm. And I think knowing, knowing these different personality types and to simply um, apply this for your following. If you go to www.the8colors.com, you can do the screen yourself uh, as we speak. And so on this website, Suzanne's created a, a quiz that you answer these specific questions and it tells you what color are you? Are you a green? Are you a yellow? Are you a blue, et cetera? And how the movement specialist would use this information is that each color is identified with us with certain personality traits. Uh, like I said earlier, reds like sirens that chase. They, uh, they like to experience life through senses. So we might want to, according to your um, uh, model, is provide a really sensory rich environment. So they're gonna be walking on pebbles. They're going to be barefoot um, using some of uh, the concepts that you apply with the barefoot uh, um, model of approach. Uh, you might use a lot of sensory stimulus, visual stimulus, auditory stimulus with a red versus um, a saffron likes to be um, stimulated with play and they're easily bored. So you got to keep the, their attention you know, more readily than a green, for example, that likes to be outside and they're naturally observant. So the reason I love this system so much is that it applies a personality to fitness or to movement uh, and allows the trainer or the coach or the movement specialist to be able to use this information from the personality screen to decide how they're going to coach someone, how they're going to motivate someone. So the example I give in our course is that I want you with the information of the threat screen, how fearful someone is, and their personality type to coach someone into a deep squat or sitting on a chair or squatting under a squat bar or yeah, sitting on the toilet. Whatever the movement that you're trying to coach, I want you to take the, the individual into consideration of how fearful they are of that movement from our threat screen and what their personality type is to be able to decide what are the cues that you're going to give to that person, you know, verbally and uh, visually? Um, uh, what is the environment that you're going to put them in? Are you going to put them in an environment that increases their threat or decreases their threat? 
that motivates them or unmotivates them. So these are the things that I think are really important when it comes to helping someone, understanding their psychosocial influence, their personality influence. And if for those that are interested, the eight colors of fitness, uh, Suzanne's created some really great books, workbooks and actually textbooks that kind of dive deeper into the role of personality screening. They're all on Amazon, super cheap. Uh, they're probably all together less than 50 bucks. And I think she does a great job of explaining this for the trainer uh, in particular. So that, that's basically what I wanted to share with you, uh, Carl, is, and we can kind of go through a question and answer now, but I, I really feel that this is a component of movement prescription, exercise prescription, training individuals of considering the person that you're working with more so than the movement that you're asking them to do. Steve, this is great, man. Um, as you're going through this, and I'm sure many of the people who are listening, especially movement specialists or watching, I can think of very specific people I currently work with, or I have worked with, or yeah. who I just know, oh, she's play. She's, she, oh, yeah. Martin, he is, give him a job. He just, all he wants to be told is what to do and he'll just crank it right out. Then I can That's think right. of another person, how many reps? I need to know exactly how many reps. <laughs> and let's That's do more right. next You're absolutely week. Right. Next week. I mean, yeah, I can think of, uh, and what's interesting is I hadn't, of course, thought of it in the terms that are put forth, uh, that, that you put forth, but environment is a big key. And, and you know, there's a room downstairs at the university where I was working and I'm temporarily off till they reopen. Uh, that's the free weight room. That's got a lot of other stuff too, but it's loud. There are people I'll take yeah. down there because they want the noise. They want the music. And then there's the other ones. That's I right. can't take them there. We can't do it. And it really very much has to do with their personality and what motivates them and doesn't motivate them. What turns them off, right. what turns them on. So important. And you, do, you, you, and you do that intuitively. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to argue that a lot of people do this intuitively, but let's, let's kind of consider the, the new people in this community and in, in, the, in the industry that are looking to kind of expand on their knowledge of how to, how to create change with the people that they work with. Considering the psychosocial and personality components or influences to movement, is profound and i'll tell you from my education my formal education and training as well as my my chiropractic degree and my therapy degree it was really never discussed i, I had to learn that through experience like you did and i think by formally introducing that there are ways of identifying someone's threat as well as their personality to be able to arm you with more options to be able to motivate that person and and get them to behaviorally make a change is is a game changer in my opinion i think so too i think um that this education is so important for a lot of people but especially uh maybe people who are newer in the business too who are you know for me this is a second career like a lot of people i've been at it for quite a while now but i didn't know this stuff I was scared to death with my first client. As a matter of fact, my first client is kind of a funny story. I was about ready to call and cancel and make up some excuse. 
half an hour before the session, she calls and she canceled on me. And I was like, oh, thankfully, I don't have to meet with a human because I have no idea what to do. This is, you know, behavior was not a thing that we ever talked about, although I feel intuitively I, I'm fairly good at various things at working with people. But, but I mean, I was scared to death and it took a long time to really, you know, I, that's why we're talking, Steve, is because every day I'm learning something new. I just, I need to know more, I need to get better. And as people who watch this, are, they're thinking the same things. And you, my friend, you're always ahead of the game, man. You're always out in front. You're in the passing lane. And that's an inspiration to me, you know, uh, of the things that you do and consider and put together and then teach us. It's really nice. I love it. Well, I appreciate that. But uh, just it, for me, this is what motivates me. If I think about my personality, I'm always looking at what things can we do to augment you know, our ability to motivate people to move. And, and if if I had a mantra to what my last 15 years of my career has been is that people say, well, you're not really a chiropractor and you're not really a trainer. And I go, I just feel like I'm just a movement advocate. I just want to advocate people moving more. I do that with my own daughter. I do that with my, you know, my own uh, body is that what can I do to advocate my movement practice? And I, I apply that to the people I get to work with as well. Um, and so I, I'm just honored to be able to have the opportunity to share, you know, things that are in my head and I hope they're helpful to the people that you work with as well as the, the community as a whole. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for everything. So let me ask you this, where can people go to sign up for this and, um, get this whole education? Um, I'm probably right now during, uh, COVID live workshops aren't happening, but they will again in the future. You said you have an on yeah. online platform, right? And where would that be? Yeah. Um, if you could just go to rocktape.com, um, you go to our education tab, you'll see that all of our live courses um, from two weeks ago to, to whenever is moved to a live webcast. And so something that we, we literally pulled the trigger on within a 48 hour period is that we trained our 50 instructors here in the U.S. to uh, take our current curriculum that we teach in a live setting and create a, a platform that allows our attendees to still provide them with their continuing education credits and get as close of a live experience as you would uh, on, on a virtual platform. So we use Zoom just like we're using right now. Zoom has a, a couple of cool functions that allow us to kind of break up into smaller rooms to have conversations, work, workshops, some case studies. It has a polling function so we can actually identify the understanding of certain concepts and applications that we teach. And so I'm really proud of what we've been able to do to create this live platform. But that platform is available on rocktape.com uh, and you can look at courses that are coming up in the next few weeks to months. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll put a link on the screen. But for those who are listening on the iTunes or SoundCloud, rocktape.com. Yeah, that's a that site has so much great stuff on it anyways. Um, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this question because I never tell anyone, oh mainly because I forget. Uh, do you have any uh, takeaway message? Takeaway message for anybody? Take yeah, uh, especially right now. And I love being put on the spot. But right now, uh, I've been really uh, 
diving deeper into movement to be able to feed my body and brain um, with a with a different experience other than uh, being succumbed to the social media, the news environment, and the added stressors that we're all under. So I, I can't stress enough of how important movement is right now, uh, not only for you individually, but to do that with your um, your network, your um, team, that might be your family, your children, your spouse, your loved one, your aunt, your dog uh, or cat. So I really want people to dive deeper into their movement practice, which is going to allow them to manage stress, uh, improve their overall wellness, and just make a significant positive change during these hard times. Well, that's a that's a great message. Um, just made me think real quick. I know you have to go. You have another call here coming up, but um, I ride my bicycle a lot. I'll go down, you know, these trails and all this. And I'm seeing the past two or three weeks, especially the past one week, more people than I've ever seen in all the years I've been riding those trails. Right. I've been 27 years in this house. Um, people are out and they're moving around. And that's actually pretty yeah. cool. You know, so yeah, I, I hope they feel I think I think and we can all realize, hey, this was really good that we got to move around a lot. Yeah, on the other side of this, Carl, and this is something that we discussed before, and my daughter really brought it to my awareness, and my daughter's 11 and just so beyond her years. And she said, you know, this is an opportunity for us to create a new normal. And maybe, 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 and this is only an assumption, but maybe we were just so caught up in um, a lifestyle that was so uh, corrosive prior to COVID that this global pandemic has has created a shift uh literally a shift in how we behave and i'm hoping that that's the case because i also notice the same thing in my community here in austin is that i've seen faces that i have not seen in the year and a half that i've lived here uh, and i think that's because we're now forced to move our bodies to be able to manage the stresses that we're facing and i, I hope that continues on the other side of this uh, this pandemic. I hope so too. I hope, so. Mm -hmm. yeah, it would be a great thing if it did. Um, yeah. Well, listen, my friend, I was short notice you did this. I think we talked yesterday for on, on a text and here we are and thank you, thank you. It's always such a great, uh, uh, you know, pleasure to talk with you all the time. You always inspire me and teach me so much. And once again, my head is spinning. So I appreciate this a lot. Well, I appreciate you, but thank you very much for the opportunity. Sure, and if you don't mind, just hang on with me for a minute, but I'm going to sign off. So I want to thank everybody for uh, watching, listening, for uh, you know supporting this uh, channel um, by even just showing up. You know, when I say support, it's not money; it's just showing up, and the numbers are going up, especially with people staying home. I guess we're getting more views, so that's great. Yeah. And so. Um, Go to rocktape.com to learn more about all of their education and actually to get some great products. I use products all the time. So um, thank you again, Steve. Thank you everyone for watching. Have a great day.